Welcome back to another episode of Classic Coverage, the podcast that looks at classic movies back when they were just screenplays. My name is Max Davison, and I am your host. I am a writer, I'm a director, I'm an editor, I have an MFA in screenwriting from USC. I am a funnier die voter on. I am a McSweeney's contributor, if they ever accept any of my pieces. But more importantly and more relevantly, I am a script reader at a major Hollywood studio. Uh, Once more, I cannot say which studio, because if my bosses find out that I'm doing this on company time, they're probably going to fire me. Needless to say, it is paramount that this show remains a secret from them. So what does a Hollywood script reader do? Well, I read any script that comes across my desk, and I tell my boss whether or not they should be reading it. And more often than not, I want to say about 99 times out of 100, the script is not good. And I say this not as a biased, you know, would-be writer or aspiring writer, I should say. Uh, No, I'm saying somebody who is very clear with a grasp of what makes good screenwriting, with good mechanics and well-rounded characters, a sense of urgency and clear stakes. And so this means that more often than not, when we write up our coverage or a script synopsis and notes, we bury these scripts under a mountain of snark. Winter is come, and I am Lord Eddard Snark. <laughs> Eddard Snark, that's uh, that's very clever. And, and, and I bet nobody has come up with that before. Uh, no, 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 I'm not going to check on Twitter, because probably uh, somebody has that as their handle, and I want to uh, want to continue to think that I'm original. So today was a little bit different. Uh, I wasn't reading your classic crappy sample script of people saying, please hire me. I have a voice. I know how to write dialogue. Uh, no, uh, my boss handed me a script that's actually going through the studio right now. Uh, she had a last minute meeting and had to bolt. I think she might be taking the relativity job, but don't quote me on that. Uh, she gave me the script for the Jenga movie, which is going to be the first movie in the Parker Brothers cinematic universe. Uh, This draft was written by David Goyer, although the original one was by John Sayles. It's a towering inferno type disaster movie, but with a little bit of like metatextual are we gods? Because every so often they will cut to these kids playing with a Jenga board or Jenga game and it will like influence what's happening with this building that's falling down. So it's a little bit of like the Poseidon adventure by way of Charlie Kaufman. And a quick update from last week. Uh, You might remember that I read a thriller called Thaw about a cryogenically frozen and unfrozen detective. Uh, I said pass. It wasn't great. But uh, somebody knows somebody who knows the guy who reps the writer, who knows my boss. And so she ended up taking a a read, and uh, she really liked it. Felt that it had franchise potential. Uh, It goes to show what one of us knows. So actually, they are bringing in the writer for a meeting just to talk ideas and bounce things back and forth. Uh, The writer's name is G. Dante Fox, which I kind of think is a pseudonym, but we'll find out later. Actually, uh, right now, I'm supposed to be out grabbing snacks for them for the meeting. I'm supposed to be getting a crudite plate as well as some Manchego cheese. Uh, Mr. Fox required Manchego. Don't know why, but I'm going to go find a soft goat's milk cheese from Spain. Anyway, but uh, while I'm supposed to be doing that, I decided that now was a great opportunity to go out and go back to the vault and find a new script to go over this week. And I did. I found a a great one. It's it's from the 1960s. It's based on a novel, and uh, you probably know the movie well. It's a script written by Buck Henry called The Graduate. The Graduate. Screenwriters, Buck Henry and Calder Willingham, based on the novella The Graduate by Charles Webb. Page count, 105. Draft date, July 17, 1960. 
1966. Genre, drama-slash-comedy, question mark? Logline, a recent college graduate returns home and begins an affair with an older woman. Comments. There is some good writing to be found in this script, some of the dialogue works. It feels grounded in a realistic portrayal of a directionless 22-year-old. However, this is a character piece without any conflict. A younger man sleeps with an older woman. Mild awkwardness ensues. The script is too understated to resonate with audiences. There's only one real set piece, an illogical third-act climax that leads to a conclusion without any sort of closure, leaving you stranded alongside the characters. The Graduate is not funny enough to be a comedy and not serious enough to be a drama. What is clear is that this is one-quadrant material, strictly and solely appealing to young men. The protagonist, Benjamin Braddock, is a directionless recent college graduate. He's aimless, and that's about it for his character. Very limited scope. He's not a particularly well-rendered character, not enough of a tangible flaw to truly flesh out his character. He isn't unlikable, per se. He's just disconnected from the world. Benjamin's motivations seem odd. We need to hang a lantern on them. Why does he chase after Elaine, falling in love with her after only one date? It seems a bit of a hot-headed move without a clear justification. The third act only exists because Ben acts illogically and impulsively. The directionless protagonist grows tiresome after a while. On page 47, Benjamin's father asks, What are you doing? Ben, who is floating in the pool, replies, Just drifting here. On the nose dialogue at its finest. The script maintains much of the protagonist's aimless spirit, which, while tonally consistent, doesn't make for an engaging narrative. Benjamin enters into his enlisted relationship with Mrs. Robinson, yet they never really have to hide or lie to keep this a secret. No one is prodding or investigating them. Not much is keeping them apart. Is this really enough of a conflict to drive the movie? This is evident in the poor act structure. It takes until page 40 for he and Mrs. Robinson to sleep together, and traditionally the first act break should hit on page 25, 30 at latest. Keeping the relationship a secret, as stated before, doesn't seem too difficult. We need more hijinks and fun and games as they attempt to keep their affair hush-hush. Maybe a set piece where Benjamin has to be in two places at once. Maybe he has to be in disguise at one point. Maybe they get caught in bed together and a chase scene ensues. Anything other than the navel-gaving conversations that compose most of their relationship. Speaking of which, when the dialogue isn't, le- isn't overly introspective, there is a lot of silence in the script. Pages upon pages without any dialogue. There are scenes of Benjamin driving. There are montages of dates and trysts. It would need some kind of amazing soundtrack to occupy these empty sequences. Otherwise, it's just more understated visual storytelling. Mrs. Robinson, the script's villain, if you can even say that it has one, is underdeveloped. Benjamin calls her, quote, a broken-down alcoholic, another piece of on-the-nose exposition from the screenwriting team. She's a run-of-the-mill, bored housewife in a loveless marriage. Nothing particularly unique. The first real conflict comes at the midpoint when Benjamin is forced to take Elaine out on a date, and somehow they fall in love. We never feel a connection between the two of them, yet their love, in quotes, is what drives the third-act climax. The two are young and impulsive, and this scene doesn't seem particularly realistic. The third act culminates with a wedding scene which reeks of implausibility and bad movie logic. Would Benjamin actually be able to run in, disrupt the wedding, steal the bride, and manage to fight off the wedding party before escaping? Did he somehow become James Bond? I suppose there is a small reference in Act 1 to him being a track star, but that is enough pipe laid for this kind of a payoff. Indicative of the aimless protagonist and meandering plot, we get no closure at the end. The script offers no idea of where Benjamin and Elaine's lives are headed, feeling unfinished and rushed. 
Ben and Elaine sit on the bus, not sure where they're going. No sense of narrative completion. This reader would prefer some semblance of resolution. Let us know where that bus is headed. While the subject matter may resonate with young men of a certain age, the graduate does not have the unique plot or the staying power to warrant another look. I want to say just one word to you. Just one word. Recommendation. Pass. And there you have it, The Graduate, another one of those movies that I'm shocked got made based purely on the script. But, you know, stranger things have happened. Uh, I think I heard my boss just poke her head around, and she's back, and she's wondering where the coverage is for Jenga, so uh, I'm going to have to sign off pretty soon, uh, find out if the tower comes crashing down, and in a script called Jenga, it probably will. I'd like to thank Noah Goldberg for providing us the theme music for this show. If you happen to like it, please like, rate, subscribe on iTunes. Uh, I could really use the ego boost, because sitting here between the Keurig machine and the copy maker... uh, You can take any validation wherever you can find it. Uh, My name is Max Davison, and until the next time, I'd like to remind you that even the classics could use another pass of notes.